0: Only then, that which is nameless, comes into being.
1: This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of Urgency of Change. Each weekly episode in this season of the Krishnamurti Podcast is based on a major theme of his talks, such as freedom, self-knowledge, authority, beauty, and meditation. Extracts from our archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is Observation. Upcoming themes are Emotion, Education, and Violence. This podcast is brought to you by Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK. For more information about activities and programmes at Brockwood, such as the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre, Brockwood Park School, and more about the Foundation, please visit our website at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's podcast has four sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's first talk in Madras 1969, titled, Seeing Exactly What Is.
0: A scientist, when he looks through the microscope, has to put aside all his hypotheses all his conclusions all his previous knowledge and look he looks and let what he sees through the microscope tell the story he doesn't tell the story of what he of about what he sees is the, what he sees through the microscope is telling the story. You understand? This thing that is seen through the microscope is telling the story, unfolding. And it must be proven to other scientists. Otherwise, it's not a fact. Other scientists must see through the microscope, discover the same thing, test it, and therefore there is no agreement or disagreement, there is only seeing what exactly is. So we have to put aside to observe not only your temperament, your conclusions, your wishes, your desires, your hypotheses and ideologies, but… Through observation let what you see tell the story. Right? Is this clear? So what we are going to do during all these talks and discussions is to learn true observation, not your observation or my observation, but the observation of a mind that sees very clearly, that has no prejudice. If it has prejudice put it aside – your conclusions, your uh, tradition, your behaviour, put all that aside and look. And that is very clear, not only verbally but actually. That we both of us are looking through the microscope. Not what you wish to see or what you want to see. Therefore, what you see. And what the speaker sees, what he or she sees, is always the same. You understand? That is a great discovery, that you and the speaker, another person sees through that microscope exactly what is. Therefore your knowledge… Your hypothesis, your conclusions have no place whatsoever. And that is a great beauty in it. So that being clear, clear not verbally or intellectually to yourself as a fact, that when you want to see something clearly all your prejudices, conclusions must be set aside. If you are a Hindu, Buddhist, Communist, Socialist, Muslim, Christian, all that must be set aside to observe, to learn, to look. Right? Are you doing this? I hope. Otherwise we shall not be in communication with each other. Communication being creating together, walking together, working together, learning together,
1: The second extract is from the first question and answer meeting in Ojai, 1980, titled Can the Observer be Absent in Observation?
0: So when we observe, do we really observe at all? Or we observe with the world? That is, I observe that thing, and I said, three. So I observe with the word. I don't know if you are following this. Right, sir? There is an observation with the word. So can I find out, can we find out to observe without the word? You understand what Right? Are we proceeding together? So, the world has become all-important rather than the sea. Right? I observe, if we observe, if we have a wife or a husband, with all the memory, pictures, Sensations, the irritations, and so on of each other. So, we never observe. So, next step is can we observe a person with whom we have lived intimate and so on, so on, without the image, without the picture, without the idea? Can you do it? (laughs) We can do, perhaps we are able to do, we are able to perceive that thing, which we call the tree, without the word. That's fairly easy. If you have gone into it, that's fairly easy. But to observe a person with whom you have lived, with and to and and observe without the accumulation of the memory about that person. If you have gone into it, if you have, if you are interested in it, no. First of all. This observation, through the image, through the picture, through the sensation, all the rest of it, through this accumulated memory, is no relationship at all. It's a relationship of one picture with another picture. And that's what we call relationship. But when you examine it closely, it's not relationship. It's my idea and your idea. So, can we observe without... an? Uh, in, can we, in the observation, in the, not make an abstraction of what we observe as an idea? You're following all this. Don't be puzzled, sir. You're not used to all this, are you? So this is this is what we mean by psychological knowledge. That is, uh, I have built up psychologically, a great deal of information hmm, about my wife, if I have a wife or a girlfriend. I have built up this knowledge about her, correctly or incorrectly, depending on my sensitivity, depending on my ambition, greed, envy, all that, Depending on my self-centred activity, you following on? Does this huh? so that knowledge is preventing actual observation of the person, which is a living thing, right? So I never want to meet that living thing because I'm afraid. It's much safer to have an image about that person rather than to see the living thing. Right? You are following this? So my psychological knowledge is going to prevent pure observation. So can, can one be free of that? Before can the machinery that builds these images come to an end? You understand my question. Then you would say, "How am I to end it?" right? I've got an image about my friend, whatever it is, and it's there, like a tremendous fact, like a stone around my neck. How am I to throw it away? Right? The stone, the image <laughs> around one's neck, different from the observer. I'm going slowly into this. Is that image that weight around your th- neck, round your neck, is that different from the observer who says, "I have an image"? I wonder if you can. You understand my question, sir? Meet me, sir, let's talk together, move. Is the observer who says, I have the image, and says, how am I to get rid of it, is that observer different from the thing he has observed? You follow? it? Obviously not. Right? Are you so the observer is the image maker? I want to see that. Right? Do you meet this? So. What is the observer? Who is this observer that is making the image and then separating himself from the image and then saying, what am I to do about it? You understand? That is the... that's the way we live. That's the pattern of our action and that's our conditioning to which we are so accustomed, so naturally accept. So we are saying something entirely different, which is the observer is the observed. Which means, let me go into a little more. I observe the tree, but I am not the tree. Oh, thank God! Mm-hmm. It is too stupid to say I am the tree, or I have identified myself with the tree, and so on, so on. All this process of identification is still the observer trying to be something or become something. So we have to inquire into what is the observer? Who is the observer? The observer is the result of all the past knowledge. Right? His experience, his knowledge, his memories, his fears, his anxieties, his, the past. So, the observer is always living in the past. If you, if you have noticed, you can watch it yourself. And modifying himself all the time, meeting the present, but still rooted in the past. Right? So there is this movement of time, which is the past, modifying itself in the present, going on to the future. This is the momentum or the movement of time. I won't go into that now for the moment. So, when we observe, we are observing through the image which we have created about that thing or that person. Can we observe that thing without the word? And can we observe the person without the image? That means, can the observer be absent in observation. Right? You get the point? Are you working with me? When you look at a person... Of course, if you're a stranger, you have no picture. Or you say, oh, he's a foreigner, throw him out. Mm? <laughs> but when you look at somebody whom you know, very intimately, the more intimately you know them, the more the image... Can you look at that person without the image? Which means, can you look at that person without the observer? You get it? I wonder if you... That is pure observation.
1: The third extract is from the fourth talk in San Diego, 1970, titled, To observe clearly, the mind must be quiet.
0: First of all, the mind, this mind that chatters, that projects ideas, that has contradiction, that lives in constant conflict, in comparison, that mind must obviously be very quiet, mustn't it? To observe, that mind must be extremely quiet. Right? If I am to listen to what you are saying, I must give attention to what you are saying. I can't be chattering, I can't be thinking about something else. I mustn't compare with what you are saying with what I already know. I must actually, completely listen to you. That means the mind must be attentive, must be silent, must be quiet, mustn't it? Therefore, seeing the necessity that to observe clearly the mind must be quiet, right? To see clearly the mind must be quiet. And because... It is imperative to see violence, to see clearly the whole structure of violence, and therefore to look at it, you must the mind must be completely still. Therefore, you have a still mind. I don't know if you have followed it. You don't have to cultivate a still mind. Right, sir? cause to cultivate a still mind implies the one who is to one who cultivates in the field of of time that which he hopes to achieve see all that what i've just now said see the difficulty cause all the people who try to teach meditation they say Control your mind. Your mind must be absolutely quiet. And you try to control it, and so everlastingly battle with it, and spend 40 years controlling it, which is completely silly. Because any schoolboy can, contr- can concentrate. Control. We are not saying that at all. We are saying, on the contrary, the mind that observes, please do listen to this, that observes, doesn't analyze, is not seeking experience, merely observes, must be free from all noise. And therefore, the mind becomes completely quiet. If I am to listen to you, I must listen to you. Not translate what you are saying or interpret what you are saying to suit myself or to condemn condemn you or to judge you. You must listen. So that very act of listening is attention which need not be practiced at all. If you practice it, you've already become inattentive. Are you following all this? So when you are attentive and your mind wanders off, which indicates it is inattentive, let it wander off and know that it is attent- inattentive. and. The very awareness of that inattention is attention. Don't battle with inattention. Don't try to say, I must be attentive, which is childish. Know that you are inattentive. Be aware, choicelessly, that you are inattentive. What of it? But the moment in that inattention there is action, be aware of that action. You understand all this? Really, sirs, it is so terribly simple. No, if you do it, uh, theoretically it becomes simple, it has no value. But if you do it, it becomes so clear, so simple. Clear as the waters. That (laughs) I won't pointify it. (laughs) So, silence of the mind is the beauty of itself. Is the beauty in itself to listen? to the bird, to the voice of a human being, to the politician, to the priest, to all the noise of propaganda that goes on, to listen completely silently. And then you hear much more, you see much more. Now, That silence is not possible if your body, the organism, is not also completely still. You understand? Mm. If your body, the organ, with all its nervous responses, all the fidgeting the ceaseless movement of fingers the eyes you know you know the restlessness of the body that must be completely still have you ever tried sitting completely still without a single movement of the body, including the eyes? Do it sometime and you will see. You may do it for five minutes or two minutes, that's good enough. Don't say, how am I to keep it for 10 minutes, for an hour, don't. That's greed. To do it for two minutes is enough. And that two, in that two minutes, the whole of this thing is revealed, if you know how to look.
1: The final extract this week is from the first talk at Brockwood Park in 1973, titled The Observer is the Observed.
0: I think the first thing to realise is the division between the observer and the observed. Is there a division between the observer and the observed? Because the observer is always controlling, shaping, trying to change what he is. He sees what he is, and, he, and the observer says, I must change that. He sees the social structure outside him, the establishment, political, religious, all the rest of it. And the observer says, I must change this system. I must bring about a different system. Right? Is the observer different from the thing he observes? Please, this requires great deal of... Inquire a great deal of attention to find out why this division exists, and if that division is false, if it is false, then to see, actually feel, come upon this reality that the observer is the observed. When you realize the observer is the observed, then the wastage of energy comes to an end. The energy that we dissipate when there is division between the observer and the observed. I wonder if I'm, are we meeting together in this? I'm going to go into it much more. <laughs> because it's one of the most important things to understand, not because the speaker says so, but when you observe yourself, your relationship to the world, the world that is outside you, the culture, is that culture different from you? And the religious, economic structure, is that structure different from the thing that you have… you are? So we are going to go into that. When you observe a mountain, a tree, the flowing of of waters, surely… The observer is not the observed. Right? Are am following this? When one observes a tree or a mountain and you say, yes, the observer is the observed, that becomes too absurd. You are not the tree or the mountain, I hope not. So there is a division, which is natural, which is inevitable, which is obvious. May we go on? Are you following this? But the division as the observer and the observed, which is essentially psychological, inward, then that division brings about great conflict between the observer and the observed. You understand? All right? Have we understood each other? Look, sir. I watch you. I observe you. Obviously you are different from me. taller, shorter, or bigger, more better brains or whatever it is. Better position, more money, I observe. There, the observer is different. from the observed who is outwardly different. I am not you. I have got short hair, long hair, purple eyes or whatever it is, I am different from you. But psychologically is the observer different from the thing he observes in you or in himself? Psychologically, that is inwardly, whether you go to India, the problems there are the same kind of problems as here – anger, jealousy, fear, pursuit of pleasure, wanting to find out more… The human problems all over the world are essentially the same. So my problem is your problem. Uh, my problem is not different from your problem. And to observe that problem without the observer becomes the imp- most important thing. For instance, sir, when I observe a mountain, I am not the mountain. The observer is not the observed. But when I observe myself, the observer is the observed. The observer is not different from the observed because the observer has created the observed. That is, the observer perceives, observes, is aware that he is jealous. I am taking that one thing to look at it completely – he is aware that he is jealous. So there is a division between the observer and the observed. You are following this? When he says, I am jealous, the observer thinks he's different from the thing he observes. Right? But is the observer different from the thing he has observed? If that division can be totally eliminated, then there is no conflict. Where there will be conflict as long as there is the division between the observer and the observed. So we must investigate what the observer is. You are following all this? Come on, sirs. Who is the observer? Or who is the thinker, the experiencer? from the experience, from the thought, from that which is observed. Now, who is the observer? Is not the observer the past? the observer who has accumulated experience knowledge and has great memory and which is the past right the past as the observer is memory experience knowledge so All knowledge is the past, and with that he observes. You understand? (laughs) Right, sir? I hope somebody is coming along with, with the speaker. So he observes, observes that which is. That which is, is the present. That which is, is what he has created. Right? That is, look, I'll go into it. He says, the observer says, I am jealous. And Then he says, I must conquer it, I must overcome it, or justify it, or get bitter, angry, furious. So there is a conflict between the observer and the observed, which is jealousy. Now is there a division at all, or the observer is the observed? Hmm? Now, just me. The observer, the thinker says I am jealous. The moment he uses that word, jealousy, he has put into the put it into a framework of words which are the result of past experience. Right? Are you following this a little bit, please, give little attention. When, When I say I am jealous, I recognise that feeling. I recognize it because it has. I have had that experience, that sensation, that feeling before. So, I have used the word jealousy in the past, and I apply that word to the present. Right? And. The application of that word to the present feeling brings about a division between the observer and the observed. Are we sharing this together? Hmm? Right? So. As long as there is a division between the observer and the observed there must be conflict. And that is a wastage of energy, the overcoming, the indulging in hatred, the justification of jealousy, all that is a wastage of energy, because it is the outcome of conflict. Whereas when there is a realization that the observer is the observed, then you have you have all that energy which is not being wasted. You follow. Then what takes place? When the observer realizes he is jealous, not Jealousy is something apart from him, then what takes place? Do you understand? I, the thinker, the observer, is jealousy. Then what has what has transformed, what has taken place? Is there jealousy at all? Or To put it differently, when there is no division, what takes place? There is only then what is, isn't there? There is no trying to overcome it, trying to… destroy it, trying to change it. There is only what is. Right? Can the mind – please follow this a little bit – can the mind remain with what is, without any movement of changing it, or undermining it, or overcoming it? Just be with it. You understand, sir? I am ambitious – I am not, but I am taking it. I am ambitious. I want to be something enormous, you know, that is a fact, if I am. Before I wanted to fulfil my ambition. I became brutal, ruthless, self pursuit of self fulfillment, bitterness, frustration, all wastage of energy. And ambition is cultivated in this culture. And I am ambitious, with all its conflicts, frustrations, bitterness, anger, you know that, you all know it very well. I realise I am ambitious. There is no division between the observer and the observed. Right? There is only ambition. Can the mind remain with that? That is, can the mind not escape from it, try to transform it, try to deny it or suppress it, but to see exactly as it is? Then what takes place? As long as there is a way out, as long as there is the desire to overcome it or to rationalise it or to suppress it, there is conflict. But when all that ceases, because the observer is the observed, then is there ambition at all, or a total summation of energy? and no longer called ambition – you understand what I am talking? – no longer this pursuit of its fulfilment. Are we sharing this together not as an idea that we are hopeless, but as an actuality? Take your own ambition, take your own… whatever it is, look at it, see all the implications involved in it. Always wanting to be powerful, you know what ambition is, it is a self-centred activity. In the name of society, in the name of God, in the name of whatever it is. It's self centered activity. And when it is frustrated, there is anger, bitterness. And in seeing all that, which is a wastage of energy, the mind then says, the obs- "Realize that the observer is the observed. There is no division. Therefore, there is no conflict. And then, is there ambition, or is there an energy which is, which has energy that has come out of this observation?" You understand? It is no longer ambitious, it, is, it has tremendous energy, which we are wasting now in conflict. Right? Then problem arises, how does that energy express itself? You are following all this? You understand? Being ambitious, competitive, seeking power, position, all that is self-centered activity, right? One may write a marvelous book and it, you may write it through desire to fulfill your particular talent. Or it may be desire to have more money and you know all that business. And you spend a great deal of energy on all that. And when that self-centered activity comes to an end, you have an extraordinary sense of energy. Right? How does that energy We know how ambition acts, we know how self-centred activity acts, jealousy, you know, all that. Now when there is not that self-centred activity which is, and therefore a great total summation of energy without the me – you understand all this? – then how does it… What is its activity? Will it go and join communism, socialism, become capitalist? You are following all this? Go to church, temple, mosque? follow some guru – come on, sir, what will you do with that energy? This is one of our problems, please, you understand? You realise how one wastes energy in conflict, in battle. Took tremendous energy to kill people. Wars. Now you have no war, actual physical war. But you have economic war going on. Right? You have religious war. We know how all that energy is being wasted. Now you say, I have this energy. There is this tremendous sense of vital energy which is no longer wasted. What is its action? I wonder if you have asked these questions, have you? I am asking them for you. Now how does this energy come about? You understand my question? It comes about only when it has observed what is and remains with what is. And it can only do that when there is no division between the observer and the observed. Are you coming with me? I have a, the mind has examined what is implied in jealousy, examined what is implied in ambition and various problems – one can examine them all – looked at them. Observed them, felt them, investigated them. And through that investigation and observation comes a realization that there is no division between the observer and the observed. And that can only come about, and the summation of that is intelligence isn't it oh God. Mm? are you following this the summation of that energy is intelligence it's not your intelligence or my intelligence or the racial intelligence it is something entirely different and that intelligence will operate not doing something silly, neurotic, selfish, and that is the real transformation of the mind. You are following on And that involves, all this involves… A mind that is capable of observing, observing without any distortion, without any neurotic illusions. Can you observe without any? Colouring. observe your life exactly as it is, how silly, absurd, or how beautiful, how whatever it is, exactly as it is – narrow, petty, ambitious, greedy, frightened, competitive, wanting position, you know, all that, caught in a network of fears. Can you observe all that without the division as the observer and the observed? If you can, then really, not as an idea actually, if you have done it, but if you do it. Then you will see that out of this observation comes an extraordinary sense of great creative intelligence. And that can, that operates in our relationship. Because all life is relationship. Right? You can't live by yourself though we try to. We enclose ourselves with our ideas about how important we are, or how uh, little we are, and we enclose ourselves. It is this part of self-centred activity <coughs> which destroys relationships. So, as our life is movement in relationship – movement, not just a static state of relationship – it is a movement – and as our relationship in our daily life is so terrible, So ugly, so contradictory, such a battle. Probably you know this better than I do. What your relationships are. The fight between man and woman. The attachments, the dominance, the, you know, what goes on. The sexual pleasures and the. Oh, you know all this, don't you, but then. Uh, and if there is no right relationship, which can only be brought about when the observer is the observed, you understand? When relationship isn't based on an image, the image which you have created about another and what the other has created about you. And that there is division and therefore there is conflict. So when, as life is all a movement in relationship, to understand that relationship is to understand the self-centred activity which separates you and me, and therefore conflict between you and me. And that conflict is essentially between the observer and the observed. The observer is the past and he tries to control the observed, try to change the the thing that is what is. (coughs) But when when there is only what is, then there is complete change of what is, and therefore complete summation of energy which is intelligence.